G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty-two past ten here on SENZ. It is the panel. Sam Ackerman joins us out of Tauranga. How are you, mate? A very good morning to you, mate. Going great down here. It's been a beautiful weekend at the bay, so I uh, can't complain. Nice, good to hear. And Jamie Wall, uh, wherever he is, is Wellington. A- have you come back down from uh, from the moon yet, mate? Uh, you must have been over it on uh, Saturday evening. Yeah, morning, morning, Ricardo. Morning, Sam. Um, I'm still just. Struggling to even believe that it happened. I've just, you know, spent my life following a team like that. It's uh, waiting for days like this to happen. They're very few and far between, but um, I'm, I'm very happy. I can tell you that much. Yeah, well, first first win since 2000, and what really surprised me was given how good that team was around 2000. You know, the the Cullens, the Lomus, the uh, the O'Hallorans, all of those guys, Dion Waller, etc. Was that yeah? It was the first time since 1981 that you've held the shield and been NPC champions at the same time. Yeah, yeah, really rarefied yeah, uh, as a as a as a Wellington fan, I can I can tell you that much. But I mean, yeah, you talk about how good that team was back in uh, two thousand. I mean, well, every team was good back then because that's back when the All Blacks actually played in the NPC. So I mean, they beat a very good Canterbury team that was stacked full of All Blacks as well in that final. Um, this time around, not so much. Um, but I think that the the current way that the NPC is set up is to be a development um, program for um, for the next generation of players. Uh, Wellington certainly kind of got that brief because that's exactly what that team was. There's a lot of very young, good uh, prospects in that in that team. Guys like Peter Lackey, uh, Riley Higgins, Aidan Morgan, Ruben Love. Um, keep going, but I think the, one of the key things that, that Wellington benefited from, and I, I'm, not, I'm very mindful of the fact that you had John Campbell on yesterday, and um, you know he's he's already given his his thoughts on this, but I can't stress enough how important it was to have the experience of TJ Piranara, um and Julian Savera in that team because they've they've been there and they've done that before, and I think that. If anything is going to, I guess, perhaps get the NPC at least heading back to the direction of what it was when, when we were younger, it would be the retention of of guys like that in there uh, that can can lift the standard of, of the competition. Because what it did to, to a Wellington team that started out the season the same way they always did, by getting, getting thumped and not giving anyone any real hope, um, has been immense. You know, and and I I think that like, not just as a Wellington fan watching that that competition win, it's just been just to sort of actually get re-engaged with it again and to really care about it has been really really important. But we can't just rely on the fans of whatever teams doing well every year in order to prop this competition up. And I mean, I think something needs to really start to change if it's going to be sustainable um, in the future. I trust all of Aotearoa is enjoying the 
commencement of the glorious benevolent rule of Wellington Rugby over all of us. Peace be with you all is what you tweeted, uh, Jamie. Uh, Sam, I don't know how you feel about being, uh, you know, Wellington Rugby ruling all of New Zealand Rugby currently. Well, listen, uh, if, they, if they want to be in charge of New Zealand Rugby in the state it's in, or fair play to them. They, you, can, you can have it. Um, good luck to you. Um, we'll live in the, in the glory days of our other provinces. But listen... I am stoked for Wellington. I'm stoked for fans like uh, like Jamie. Some, as you mentioned, has been long some, some long suffering, and for I think every province outside of Canterbury is pretty happy that you know the result went the way it did. I also need to say this, and I don't mean to rain on on the parade. I talk sports. I'm uh, discussing it every day with a, a range of people on a range of topics, including on platforms like this. This is the single first time all year. Anyone has asked me about the MPC? Actually, no one's talked to me about it. No one brings it up. Uh, I've brought it up in a couple of conversations, but no one has asked me about it. I've never known a state where people have given less of a toss about this competition, and that pains me because it's not a bad competition, and there aren't, and there is still a lot of pride to be taken out of what can be achieved and done here. But no one has talked to me about it, and I, for me, that that says a lot about where this competition sits currently and certainly you know it's you know falls behind the shadow behind uh, the women's rugby world cup which is you know if you go back and back in the uh, annals of <laughs> of time that would never have been the case i'm stoked that it is now that the world cup is getting the profile that it is but it's it's just a recognition of what this stands for right now and it's a great result i take nothing away from what wellington's achieved and i'm stoked for uh for their fans but it, it's pretty hard to to see where it sits in realms of of importance. Mm. Well, I mean, that's actually you brought us onto this topic nicely, Sam. Uh, it's like you just passed that, you know, that, that you're Jason O'Halloran and you just slipped an inside ball, and I'm Christian Callan running onto it the way you've you've done that because um, you talk about that and I'm drawing a very long bow here, just quietly. Um, but uh, the All Blacks uh, schedule has come out, and now they played the, the uh, Jamie text, uh, tweeted about this yesterday. They play Japan at the same time as the Black Ferns are playing their Rugby World Cup quarter final. And can you guess where the uh, CEO of New Zealand Rugby is going to be? I mean, from an optics point of view, Jamie, this doesn't look good, does it? No, not at all. It's, it's, it's a very, I mean, this whole week is a bit a bit strange. Um, there's only, I think, one New Zealand media representative up in Tokyo with the team um, to 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 kind of uh, you know report back on it, which is very a very strange situation for an All Blacks um, away fixture, uh, and it's clearly being done to you know fulfil a lot of sponsors' um, obligations up there. We noticed there was Japanese media down um, during the Bledisloe Cup series to um, to you know start drumming up. You know, obviously they get a massive massive amount of interest up there, uh, and that's totally understandable and everything. Um, but why this game is being played um, when New Zealand Rugby uh, knew full well that the likely quarterfinal, because like, really, like the Blackfins were always going to win all their pool games, and the, the likely quarterfinal was going to be um, at 7 o'clock on, on Saturday night, uh, or 7.30 on Saturday night, when the, when the All Blacks um, would be in Japan, why they arranged for a game to be played in Tokyo that would kick off at seven o'clock New Zealand time is, is really weird. Like, I don't understand how this, uh, it's as if they've kind of written off the New Zealand fan base kind of entirely. And there's been a couple of other, uh, 
decisions as well that have been made that that kind of point to that 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 really like there's not much thought's been going into you know actually New Zealanders um, supporting these teams because we've got the the All Blacks 15 this team that still really doesn't have an identity or, or a very clear purpose um, playing not only on the same same day as the All Blacks but exactly the same time um, so I, I just I, I just can't get it through my head like as to what what's going on here because. Why you would expect 60,000 people to show up to watch the fake All Blacks play in London when the real All Blacks are playing at exactly the same time? Like, who are they trying to sucker in here? And then, of course, we've got next year, we've got um, an All Blacks and Springboks test being played in London. Uh, so it's like they've just completely, um, you know, given up on any any pretense of, 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 of trying to... Uh, even look like the, they care about um, New Zealand fans at all, and, and what we what we're trying to get out of it. So it's 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 a really strange situation. It is, and Sam. I mean, I, I guess the other thing is we're hosting a Rugby World Cup here at the moment, and yet the CEO is going to be at some test that's probably the the least of all the All Black tests of the year. He's not even going to be here for the Black Ferns quarterfinal because he's going to be what waltzing it up to Japan for a, a second tier matchup. Look, my my thoughts on it, my presumption on it will be the um, def- said defence will be the you know the the semi final and final will be attended. So he's trying to make sure that the All Blacks got some love along the way, and it wasn't you know it's a bit of both. But seriously, it, not a smart move. But Jamie's spelled it out. This is a commercial arrangement, and I have no problems with the All, All Blacks playing commercial arrange um, arranged games. I had a problem with it the first decade and a bit, but I'm I'm weathered by it now. I'm I I'm I've I've built an immunity. It's it's part of what it is. And they look, everyone ha- did it tough over the last few years. Even the All Blacks, even New Zealand rugby did it tough over that period of not being able to get the same kind of gates and opportunities and matches. So I have no problem with organizations where they can doing a, a bit to um get some back. It doesn't cost us, the New Zealand's you know viewers who go to game want to pay tickets uh, to games this game does not cost us anything further so go right ahead but please don't play into the importance of it i mean and uh, look, are the are the people who go on to the, in that test that st- are standing on the field are they not the all blacks 15 is it, are they not allowed to be referred to as that because there's a uh, as jamie called it the uh, the b teams playing the fake all blacks are playing uh, at the same time, they are the All Blacks. Like, are they going to play with a player less to be the All Blacks 14? I don't understand. They can go down to the All Blacks 13, and they suddenly get to the right number that should be on a field and play, play in sets of six. So if, if they really want to progress, that's probably the way forward. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear what you're doing there, Sam. This is the panel on SENZ. When we come back, uh, Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman will continue. And no doubt Jamie's got something to throw back at that. Right now, though, it's the latest in news and sport from Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is 25 away from 11 here on SCNZ and uh, we are in the middle of a Rugby League World Cup as uh, I'm sure both Jamie and Sam are aware. Tonga versus Wales this morning. The Kiwis play Ireland on Saturday. Um, We've had a few big scores, a few blowout scores at this tournament. Um, Sam, do detractors of like the Minnow Nations miss the point of what this tournament or tournaments in general are about, World Cups? Well, it's uh, it, what it amazes me just as equally, Ricardo, is that people are like, oh, well, you know, New Zealand only put 68 in Jamaica, whereas Australia scored 84, and they come on, are we seriously thinking that the the score lines within a blowout are important as well? I don't know. It's, it's sometimes I feel like people have never watched a World Cup of any sport 
when they make comments like this because what happens in this stage is part of the World Cup. It's the pomp and ceremony where teams that you'd never normally play get a chance to play against them. And yes, the lopsidedness does show that International Rugby League still has, in the global context, a long way to go. But it also shows there are more teams capable of putting other teams through a blowout, as in again closer to that top level, than there has been in rugby league in a very long time. I mean, Tonga should be able to put a side like Wales away by a huge amount. Wales put in a really brave effort, and Wales are a brave side. A lot of these teams will punch above their weight as far as giving them um, all right to the end. If you saw the Jamaican game, New Zealand was just streets ahead. A couple of tries were literally uncontested when there was six Jamaicans in front of them. Couldn't get a hand on these players, and it wasn't through immense lack of uh, skill on the uh, on the on the side of New Zealand. It's that Jamaica are not in the league, and they shouldn't be. But it's their first World Cup, and if you saw the moment that they scored that try when they were down 68-0, scored their first World Cup try. That's a special scene. Those are moments that only World Cups can provide along the way. Yep, there's blowouts, but would people rather we just made a six-team tournament and say, right, you guys can play to be best in the world through that? Because we do that with a lot of other tournaments, and people then decry it for not being international enough. So, yes, putting the minnows through their paces can get a little tedious through the way, but it, it creates opportunities. It gives teams an identity, and it gives players who aren't going to play for that top level or aren't currently playing at that top level a chance to be involved as well. It helps to grow players through a, uh, a system that wouldn't be there otherwise. It helps NRL players get stronger. It's certainly the 2000 World Cup in particular, I think of, played a huge role in the rebirth of the Warriors since so many of those players were in those squads and then came together for the really, you know, the reformed um, Eric Watson, and Daniel Anderson coach team. So these things have a big knock-on effect and they are slow, steady progress. We're going to see things different in the semi-finals. I think in the quarterfinals, I think it'll step up a notch. But that's no different than the Women's Rugby World Cup, Men's Rugby World Cup, or any other, even football, where it's the global game and there is so much strength across it. There are teams that are there to not necessarily make up the numbers, but making it was the achievement in itself. And that's what World Cups contain. So they haven't kicked. The message went across. Don't kick before the last. They've got a result. They've got a result. It's there for Jamaica. Yeah, they can get better. They will need to get better. But it's still a convincing scoreline. Now that outlines what uh, you're talking about there, Sam. Uh, the Jamaicans scoring that try. And Jamie, you know, it's not a it's not a rugby league World Cup issue, is it? I mean, we can look to the last rugby World Cup and see Scotland beating Russia 61-0 and New Zealand beating Canada 63-0 and, you know, putting 71 points on Namibia. So, you know, these countries that, uh, that, that want to make a World Cup, I mean, that is their World Cup getting there. And it's the only way, if you want to make your game global, to grow the global game is to to give club uh, countries the opportunity to play at this level. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, and Sam's, Sam's right. I mean, it's, it, they've got to start somewhere, right? And Jamaica have have started. You know, they they didn't uh, score a try in their first game. And they probably set themselves a goal. Well, let's get let's get one in the next game, and then those building blocks are going to get to a point where you're like, well, we're going to get to a competitive game where we've got a really good chance, and we're going to try and win win this game. Um, that's just the way it goes when you're in a team that's uh, a bit more shorthanded than the, the sort of teams you're playing against. And and yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I mean, you you, I I feel like everything is kind of judged off the football World Cup, in which you have football as a sport is just by nature close. You know, like you can it lends itself to at least maybe not so much upsets, but at least the scorelines not being 
you know, complete blowouts because 3 0, uh, a, a good team, Brazil beating uh, New Zealand 3 0 doesn't actually look as bad as, you know, 84 0 in, in a rugby league game. Um, and saying that though, you know, there are still massive scores in, in, in football World Cups. You know, we've, we've seen we've seen them. So that, you're right. It, that is just the nature of, of the way tournaments are. Um, and assessing the relative strengths and weaknesses of of these games across across the world, and you know this is nothing new for rugby league world cup. Um, it's nothing new for the women's rugby world cup that's happening at the at the moment as well. I mean, you can look at all those games and go like, well, is there any point in the Blackfins even starting the tournament until the semi-finals? Um, but I feel like international rugby league is a bit of a punching bag, a bit of an easy one um, for detractors of the game because of uh, you know the way the game is spread out and the comparative kind of lack of money they have to play with uh, when it comes to promoting these things and then when it gets to the the stage of the tournament you get these blowouts so I think it's a bit of a broken record to be talking about it I personally like seeing these these, these sort of games I really like um, seeing Jamaica there um, if nothing else they have cool uniforms that you get to see mm-hmm. um, and you get to see the likes of um, Mitchell Moses, uh, et cetera, turning out for, for, you know, countries of the heritage, which is actually really cool. I really like that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's just, I think the, the thing that they need to do now uh, to progress the game is that Mitchell Moses plays for Lebanon so that at the next world cup, uh, when Daly Cherry Evans is probably retired, he doesn't get selected for the Kangaroos. Or, you know, a player that stands out for Scotland or Ireland at this World Cup doesn't then get selected for England at the next World Cup. They need to be able to build those squads, but uh, that needs a proper international program, and that is a whole another conversation. Uh, sticking with Rugby League, uh, just quickly, it looks like Anthony Seabold is going to be the new Manly coach. Uh, Shane Flanagan. It uh, looks like he's going to come back to coaching as well. He's signed a deal, apparently, for three years as an assistant to Seabold with a clause that allows him to leave after 12 months to become a head coach somewhere else. Uh, call me a cynic, Sam, but I don't see Flanagan as an assistant working particularly well, and I, I doubt he'll see out 12 months as an assistant given the pressure on the likes of Hook Griffin and, and, and Justin Holbrook. Not to mention that Anthony Seabold and contracts don't, you know, they don't work, walk hand in hand. I don't think he's finished one of his either. So uh, I, I don't take put too much into it. I, 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 I would don't want to be, you know, negative about it for the sake of it. I just can't see it working. Um, it's a club that's, uh, you know, one that I've followed my entire rugby league life, and it's a one that I'm, you know, I, I hate seeing in the state that they are, and I many enjoy it, but they are a, a team that's dysfunctional right now, uh, built through factions, uh, and, uh, you know, Des Hazlitt brings a type of loyalty from a section of his players that is almost cult-like as well. So going in after that is going to be an absolute mess with someone like Seabold. Uh, and look, Flanagan having a, um, that clause is not uncommon to a, a ton of coaches. I mean, if you look at the new coaches from, well, the coaching setup, I should say, from the, uh, the Panthers uh, this year that won the Premiership, two of the assistant coaches, now head coaches at other clubs, including Andrew Webster coming to the Warriors. So, and Kevin Serrano has gone over to the Dogs. So it's a, it's a situation where assistant coaches, if they get a head coach opportunity, are generally told, yep, go ahead, it's too good an opportunity, can't hold you back. So that part I don't read into. But yeah, I, I, again, I, I can't imagine Shane Flanagan sitting around as an assistant coach for three years. I'd think if he doesn't go to another club, he'll likely take over at Manly when Seabold gets given the axe. Yeah, well, that's always a possibility. And, Jamie, what does that mean, do you think, uh, for England? Uh, because Seabold is their defence coach. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be able to do both jobs. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess Michael Check is kind of proving that theory a little bit wrong at the moment. I mean, he's in line to be coaching, I think, um, Lebanon and Argentina on the same day, mm. uh, <laughs> coming up pretty soon. Um, so I think that the what Sam alluded to was that the landscape of coaching um, in the NRL, at least, is very fluid. Uh, right now, um, you can you can pretty much just c- come out and see that w- what's what's happening here is this is being used. Flanagan's using this as a stepping stone to get somewhere else, which obviously the players have, have been doing, and it, it's becoming uh, just more and more shameless um, over the years. And the Warriors fans know that um, too well. Uh, in terms of the English rugby rugby team, I mean, he must be walking away from a pretty decent um, pay packet because uh, you know they they would pay pretty well. Over there, so I, I I feel like yeah, like like Sam led to um, Seabold's never seen out of contract. This is a, this is another one, so I can't. It's uh, obviously they 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 walked into that with their with their eyes open, knowing what they were going to get get out of this bloke. Um, but I'm sure Eddie Jones has got some sort of contingency plan up his sleeve. And Scott Robertson, uh, looking forward to getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it out too loud, but um, that is that is probably what what might, what might happen there. So, looking forward to getting up north and um, finding that getting on the ground and finding out that out for myself. Yeah, indeed. All right, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for being on the panel today. Great to chat to both of you as always. And uh, uh, Jamie, keep riding that wave. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.